Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you gain a deeper relationship with your teen. On today's episode, Mark Gregston sits down for a conversation with a couple of Heartlight's teens. For the past two decades, Heartlight has become the country's premier residential counseling center and boarding school for struggling teens. Founded in 1998 by Mark Gregston and his wife Jan, Heartlight is a program that not only modifies behavior, but one that seeks to offer a unique transformative journey through a relational experience that offers counseling, small group therapy, academics, and activities. We hope you find encouragement as you listen to these stories today. Aiden, thanks for being a part of the program today. Tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you end up at Heartlight? Um, well, originally I had some, some trouble with some drug addiction problems uh, going into high school. You think everybody does? You th- I mean, if you had to look at the percentage of school people that are doing drugs or something, where would you put that percentage? Honestly, I think a huge portion of kids these days use marijuana. Yeah. Just as like recreational, Yeah. you know, but I mean... I guess pills are getting more popular, like prescription pills and everything. Okay, what about where you live? Um, I'm from a small town where there's not much to do, yeah. and one of the bordering cities is heavy like drugs and everything. Where yeah. you basically drive down the street and buy you know cocaine, whatever you want. Yeah. Okay, so when did things start to spin out for you? Originally, I spent most of my school years in like band, like marching band. I played. Yeah. yeah brass instruments and the kids who I looked up to were my brother's friends yeah and so these kids I looked up to were like the best band members also they're great musicians and still are and so I looked up to these guys they went on to high school and then I was like the top dog in middle school but then whenever I went up to high school I was like the freshman and those other kids who I looked up to before were already into like just marijuana and everything like that and so wait a minute so band doesn't keep you out of everything? No, not at all. No. <laughs> I mean, people used to think that, well, no, it's not the athletic guys. It's not the band guys. Keep people busy and everybody will be okay, but I'm going. It's not that way anymore. It's not. I mean, it doesn't matter what you're doing. There's going to be enough time to... Do something else. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't take much time to go sneak behind this corner and like yeah. smoke. Yeah. So was it when you got into high school that everything started? Yeah, I would say so because I was about 14 years old and I had never knew realistically what weed was or what I was familiar with like meth because of like how terrifying it is yeah, and like yeah, everything yeah. like that but yeah. just the way like the dare officer put it was like if you smoke weed you're this is what your lungs look like they're pitch black and you're going to yeah. die or whatever and yeah. go to prison so I had like this really outlandish view of it but then compared to what other people were telling me yeah. Like these guys that I loved and I looked up to, they're like, dude, it's a plant, you know, it's natural. Nothing really happens like that. And so right off the bat, I viewed it as okay because. Okay. Do you think you had problems before hand and then the pot and all that stuff just kind of mask, you know, the real issues or did problems start when you started smoking and doing other drugs? I think my whole life I had kind of a problem with low self-esteem. I didn't like how I looked, really, like my appearance. I was 
so like small and scrawny. I've gained about 50 pounds since I've been here now, just from working out. I never lifted a weight before I came here, but so I was just small and weird and doing stupid things to fit in. So the drug thing just kind of fit into that, right? Yeah, it was like something where I felt that's where my role was as as the kind of outcast of the class was to just smoke. And I wanted people to actually view me as, oh, there's that guy that smokes so much and stuff like, because I had looked up to people in the media these days, like rappers. I'm yeah. a big fan of hip hop. And so whenever I see people in the media, like with like literally tattoos of pot leaves, like on their faces, then that's like, that's my icon who I look up as well. So cool, so rebellious. Like I want to be like that. Wow. Okay. So when you look back on that, what goes to your mind when you look back on that time when you were thinking all that? Um, now, that's the misconception is that drugs equal respect and fun and stuff like that where oh the more weed you smoke like the more street cred that is but in reality i mean well what i struggle with is not necessarily marijuana because i had moved on yeah to like k2 or like synthetic weed it's pretty powerful stuff it is and it's very bad for you i had like internal damage from it just like the inside of my body was basically just failing me and I just want people to know that drugs is not just a party. That's just fun forever. Like eventually it's going to come back and bite you. You're not going to be able to get up off the couch because you're going to be like so weak and yeah, yeah. destroyed. Okay. So where was your realization where you started going, wait a minute, I can't be doing this. Well, um, I had a lot of experiences and like involvement using what most teens call it is acid, but I guess the legal term would be research chemicals, where it's, I guess, closely relatable to like PCP or LSD in some forms. But so I had a lot of experience with that. And it started off as just kind of, it was overwhelming. It takes over your brain, but it's like something that I could actually manage at first. So I felt powerful by being able to take these drugs and get away with risky things. But so at first it was a huge rush, like insane amount of just adrenaline and almost joy. It's like an artificial sense of joy, but that started to turn on me. Like the further and further I got into it, it was like the more empty I began to feel because I wanted this for myself, but it was like pointless. It was just, so it started to really turn on me and like the hallucinations and everything were just turning evil. And it's like, I was, my life was a nightmare. Wow. And so what, what clicked? Well, one night I had a very like spiritual experience with it where it was not the drugs. It was God like reaching out to me and showing himself to me. And that's what I believe to this day that that was God. And it was like scales coming off my eyes, just like biblical things were actually happening to me. Like my eyes were open. But at this time, I did not have like the strength to get away from those things. Even God revealing himself to me was not a strong enough force to pull me away and say, okay, I'm done with these research chemicals i'm done with this k2 because i was still dependent on that yeah and so that's where i needed to get away physically and come to a different place and you know we started doing research and everything and so so you say we started doing research i mean did you ever sit down and talk with them and say hey i got a problem yes multiple times i mean um i was not willing to admit i had a problem for years because i didn't think i did i was like yeah i could quit whenever i want i just don't want to because I'm only going to be young once and all this other crap that kids tell themselves. But yeah, towards the end, whenever I started having like these haunting 
experiences overnight, you know, just the whole stress of lying to my parents and being in places that I wasn't supposed to be, that would like really enhance the fear that I had. Yeah. That was like induced by the drugs. So it was just all these things. You think that push you more into drugs to get rid of that fear that you were living in almost a paranoia? It goes both ways, yes, yeah. because the paranoia was caused by those drugs. Yeah. And that was a thing of like, dude, I'm never doing this again. Wow. I'm so terrified right now. Never doing this again. How many times did you say, I'm not doing this again, before you really quit doing it again? Probably more times than I could count because <laughs> I like end up forgetting those times. But yeah. at least three huge times come to mind yeah. where I was like, dude, I'm never doing this again. I was like on the merge of a heart attack because of how scared I was. Wow. And wow. I even got abusive with one of my friends who was like basically babysitting me wow. where I was completely out of it. And my friend was, you know, sober and I wow. ended up just beating the crap out of him while he was asleep. He was, I was feeling threatened by a sleeping person. Like I was very paranoid. Kind of messed up a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So you come to Heartlight. Was that the answer to everything mystical and magical and spiritual in the world? <laughs> almost. <laughs> almost. I mean. Really? Aside from drug addiction, my second problem is my spirituality. Yeah. Because coming here. I say I was more of an atheist. Yeah. I went through a big like anti-God phase because I lost a family member of mine. My cousin passed away from leukemia at wow. a young age. Wow. And so that pretty much rocked my world. Whenever she died, I lost that sense of yeah. value in life because yeah. like, well, if God's willing to take away this child's life in a in a heartbeat, then what's like the real value in life if yeah. people just yeah. die here and there and nothing truly happens about it they're just gone from then on i was just really mad about god and i said at first it was like god's not real these people right. are stupid christians right. are stupid if they think that this is happening because there's so much happening in the world and so i said i hate christians i'm going to be the opposite and if there is a god i don't love him i want to go against him yeah and so i went through a phase of just kind of Satanism. Wow. Um, I would look at YouTube videos and read and like, I would pray to like the devil, like legitimately. And it was satisfying at the time because of how angry I was yeah. at God. Yeah. And then whenever I started doing more intense drugs, I started thinking that, well, the universe, you know, is like infinite. And so there's no real God out there. It's just a chance that we're here, which yeah. is, I mean, it's realistic, but it's just impossible. Yeah, yeah. So um, it wasn't until pretty recently, maybe a month or two, that I actually came to my senses and just just pretty much got on my knees in my, in my room. And I was just like, Jesus, I'm sorry. Like, wow. ever since then, I've just been reading the Bible, praying, Everything and now, I would say that I'm a Christian. Cool. In my own little way, and well, that's a big way. Yeah, I, it mean, is a big I, way. I mean, you've come to it. You've come to it in a very real way. Yeah. Okay, so if there's parents out there that have a child like you, you know, that of what you were going through from seventh grade on up, you know, dealing with insecurity and now drugs, and you know, I mean, what, what could your parents have done different that would have been a help to you? Well, I think one of the hardest things that parents struggle with is just 
the whole thing of where like it takes one to know one like you yeah i've been down this road where if my child one day i see them straying the way that i did i can actually talk to them one-on-one like i know exactly what their thought process is and what they're going through you need to understand how confused these children are yeah yeah and like how lost because of like the mixed messages we get through society so i would just say take a more talkative approach and understanding because what my parents used to do is we're taking your phone for a week next time it'll be two weeks and i was like you know it sucked at the time but that doesn't teach you anything so i think um spending more time talking yeah, and I know that can be hard because yeah. your your kid's going to be mad and they're not going to want to admit that they yeah. can't stop. Yeah, yeah. I would say don't push religion on your children. I think that they need to come to it by themselves yeah. because nothing... At some point you teach them and then, then you let them come to that point yeah. of, of realizing <clears throat> what's really going on. Yeah, I feel like there's nothing that can truly keep you away from going back to drugs than just loving God and Mm -hmm. wanting to please him. I believe that's the purpose of human existence and like your life is to make God smile. And just the way that you do that that is just, I mean, that's the, that's the meaning of life is to please God because he made you for his pleasure. Wow. And you're not going to please God by saying, you know, screw you. I'm going over here and doing this. Yeah. Like if you live for yourself, your own pleasure, then like you're becoming your own God and that's a sin in itself. Wow. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what, Aiden, you've made God smile as we record this. I mean, that's a pretty cool story, and um, I appreciate you sharing it. Thanks for having me on. This is pretty uh, exciting. Yeah, it'd be good. I mean, now you're going to be famous and stuff. I hope so, yeah. This is like (laughs) a little taste of Hollywood right here. Okay, cool, man. Thank you so much. No problem. Nobody cares more about their team than moms. But even moms can get discouraged and distracted when watching their teen go through those difficult adolescent years. You can feel alone and helpless, unable to know how to encourage your teen. It can get hard to trust God's goodness in the midst of such hard times. Mark Gregston knows the feeling. That's why he wrote Prayers for My Teen. It's a book of prayers and devotionals to help moms keep their eyes on God and their hearts uplifted, even when your teen is struggling. Prayers for My Teen is a great addition to your purse, bedside, glove compartment, or desk drawer as a simple way of reminding you of God's faithfulness to you and love for your family. Get your copy of Prayers for My Teen at parentingteenresources.org. Well, Annika, thanks for being a part of the program. You know, we we talk all the time about um, kids and parents and things that go on and things that people do and as as we all wrestle through things. How did you end up coming to Heartlight? What was the issue that was going on in in your family that somebody said, "Okay, we got to split up here and we got to we got to get to Heartlight." Oh, there was a lot of issues. Like, yeah. I could make a really, really long list, but I didn't know I was coming, like, a lot of people. Yeah. Like, I found out, like, two hours, and then I was, like, already here. Wow. But there was a lot of issues. A lot of them are, like, kind of hard to talk about. Because, like, 
a lot of stuff in my life has happened, even when I was like younger up until now. Really? That has been really hard to talk about. So, I mean, things like thing- issues that I had and then I did because I also did a lot of like bad things like drugs, but most of the problems like weren't my fault. Yeah. But they just kind of happened. So the drug thing became just a way to deal with the things that had happened to you and stuff. Yeah. Wow. And then more bad things began to happen afterwards and it just became like a whole mess. Yeah. Was there a part of you that thought in the mess that you felt that you were in that um, it'd be a relief to get away from home and, and start over or get a second chance or to learn about some stuff? Yeah, I love it here. But like... It wasn't my plan to come here. Like, I was wanting to get away a different way. And I had all these plans in place before I came here. Yeah. And I had all these, like, things that I was working towards. And I had two jobs. And I just now got hired for another one that I was earning all this money. When I found out I came to Heartlight, like, all of it was just taken away. Yeah. But I really do like it here. And it's, like, a blessing to be here. Mm. And it really has helped a lot. How do you think it's, it's just a how, different way? Yeah, how do you think it's helped you? Like, like the most. So what has it done for you? It really has gotten me away from a lot of the stuff. Mm. And it's helped me like think about everything. And it's put me around people who actually really care about me. Where it's like before I wasn't around a lot of people who cared about me. So that makes a difference. Yeah, it does. Do you think when you're surrounded by people that care about you then you don't have to manage your own life all the time? I mean, that they've got your best interest in mind sometimes and and it works out well? Yeah, I think that. Hard for you to trust? It still is a little bit hard, but like, it is really good to trust people and I know how to do it. It's just that we need to be careful when we do it. Careful. Like, who we trust and depending on each person, like... How much, like, trust, like, we give them. Yeah, yeah. Easy for you to trust? With some people. Yeah. Because I can tell sometimes with, like, the people who I think are going to be trustworthy, but some people, if I talk to them or get to know them, then I can tell, then I don't trust them. Yeah, yeah. So you just kind of avoid them? Yeah, but I still, like, can trust. I'm getting better at it, which I, like, didn't used to be that great at it. When you and I first met, I remember the time because it was at our house and you'd come over to eat dinner and I think you'd gotten there that day or the day beforehand or something. I mean, just within the last couple of days and you were very kind and easygoing and I, I just sat there and I thought, this is a very pleasant girl. Sometimes you know that when people first come to us, it's not real pleasant. I mean, yeah. but it was fine. It was good. And, and uh, you know, so I, I look back on that and I go, I, I can't, I couldn't even make up anything negative about you if I wanted to. Do you see yourself that way? Well, I know I'm nice, but I really wasn't always like that. It was easier for me to be behaved and like friendlier here. Really? Because like I didn't have all the stuff I was like having to deal with. And when I got here, I just like let it all go because it was already gone. I didn't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah. I wonder sometimes if parents look at their kids and go, okay, um, my child's not being nice. Um, Is it me or is it the environment they're in that's creating that? You think they ask that? No. You think they probably think it's the environment more than anything than them? 
Probably, yeah. I think it's hard for parents to admit mistakes. Yeah. Because it is, like, I can see that my mom, like, feels terrible about some of the stuff that she's done. And I can, like, understand that, but she still has done it. Yeah. But I know that no parent wants to make mistakes, and she doesn't mean it, and she didn't mean to make mistakes. So that's why it's so hard to, like, admit it, because I think they do try to be, like, the best that they can be for us. Mm. You know, I think that there's probably not a parent that I know that hasn't made mistakes. You know, and yeah. and it's, I mean, I, I know that to be true because I haven't met any perfect parent. But I wonder, you know, um, it's like a mom who won't quit nagging about stuff or a dad who always keeps so busy or a... Uh, a brother who just doesn't care about anybody else but themselves or a, um, you know, they're, they're kind of wired that way. And then you put them in a family and then you see the negative side of that come out. There are some people I know that can't quit looking for things that are wrong with somebody else. I mean, which is great if you're a doctor, but it's horrible sometimes if you're in a family. How do you deal with that? When you see things in your family that, you know, are just the tough things for you to hold on to, how do you how do you deal with that? There's not much that you can do. But I remember I hung out a lot of my friends' houses more mm-hmm. than my own, and like, it was easier that way because it was really painful to be at home anyway. Yeah. And so like I just kind of like lynched on to another family. And they liked having me around because, like, I was nicer when I wasn't, like, around a lot of the stuff. And I was nicer when I wasn't, like, when I didn't, like, have any, like, pain to deal with. Then I was always nicer. Yeah. Well, I can't envision you being mean because I look at you and I go, I mean, you've always been so kind and nice, you know, and that's what everybody around here will say. And uh, you think that's environmental? Um... I think it's like a mixture of things and why I was so upset. But I remember I didn't used to be angry at one point because I like never showed how I felt. And then when I did realize how I felt, I had like all of this anger built up. And so I just felt angry all the time. So are are you healthier showing the anger or holding it back? This is one of Mark's quick little quizzes here. Yeah. I don't know, because sometimes anger does help me, because I didn't always used to defend myself, and I was like a complete doormat. But being angry, like, it helps, like, no one to mess with me now. But but too much of it can be really bad. Yeah, yeah. But if you have the right amount, it's good to show that you're upset so that people don't do that again. Yeah, but I, I you know, I, and it, I think it shows something else. It means you long for something different. Now, usually anger is, a, is an emotional response to not getting what you want. I want this, I don't have it, so now I'm angry. You know, and so anger, the presence of it, shows that you want something different. And I, I think if you want something different, it's okay to be mad about it that you're not getting it because sometimes that pushes you to want something more and and you work to get it. You know what I mean? Is that confusing or? No, that makes sense. Yeah. 
And so, so I'd, I'd be more concerned if you weren't mad, if you want something different in life and, yeah. you, and, and you'd be sitting here all smiles and everything's good. I would go, there's something wrong with this chick. You know, there's <laughs> something that's just not right because you have reason to be angry because you want for something more than what's yeah. before you. That does make a lot of sense. So I'm glad for your anger. I just don't want you to. <laughs> yeah. Just don't want you to push it on me. There's a, there's a scripture that says, "Be angry, but don't sin." I mean, and there's something truthful about that. It's okay to be angry, just don't let it ruin relationships around you, you know, yeah. or control you. Because or it was before. Yeah, because I don't think you're an angry person. I think you have anger, but I mean, nobody around here goes, "Ah, Hanukkah, man, she's an angry person." Thanks. You know? Yeah, I don't think I'm an angry person either, but the stuff I was angry about, I did have a reason to be angry. Yep. So, but I didn't react very good. Yeah. Like I was supposed to. You know what? Uh, um, I've got to tell you this, that that um, Jane and I went through counseling as a couple years ago. And when I began to tell my story to the counselor... She looked at me and she said something that was important to me. And she said, you have every reason to feel the way you do. The problem is, Mark, it's controlling you and it's determining who you are. And that's not good. So we got to figure out how to make sure it's not controlling you and it's taking you to a better place. But when she said, you have every reason to feel the way you do, something in me changed. And... Um, and maybe somebody just validated, you know, what I was feeling. And that was just good enough for me. So I guess I want to do the same for you. It's okay to be angry. Nothing thanks. wrong with that. That's a good thing. Hey, thanks for coming and just sharing your heart a bit. I know it's hard to talk about sometimes. Thanks. Cool. Thanks for listening to Parenting Today's Teens. For more information, visit parentingtodaysteens.org. And to learn more about Heartlight, visit heartlightministries.org. If this podcast has been helpful to your family, please share it or give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Of course, you can listen to Parenting Today's Teens wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us tomorrow for another great episode. We'll talk to you then.